0: Hi, you guys. Um, Welcome to the Romance and Color podcast. I am one half of the team here at Romance and Color. Uh, Tatiana, again, my partner, Yakini, is in New York as an essential worker and is fighting the good fight with COVID-19 as we are quarantining and hopefully wrapping up our last days in quarantine. And speaking of last days, today marks our close of our first season of our podcast. Yay. And so I want to end on a super high note with our last um, interview uh, with Savannah Frierson. Um, But last week we talked to um, NG Peltier, Natalie Peltier all the way in the, in the beautiful Island of Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and we talked a lot about her writing, her Caribbean heritage, um, what she wanted to express with her writing. And most of all, if that episode did not make y'all hungry and we talked about food and soca and make you want to run out and get some Caribbean food. I don't know what's wrong with y'all, <laughs> but it was such a good um, episode. And I hope you all enjoyed it because I really enjoyed listening and talking to uh, Natalie. But this episode, we talked to Savannah Frierson. Uh, She is a Harvard-educated South Carolina girl, born and raised uh, from the South, um, and has worked in many facets of, of publishing and media and things like that. But she's also a writer, and she made me rethink the idea of what a romance novel looks like because of her. In her latest work, she is um, talking about a polyamorous relationship and how that can be positive and romantic for some folks. But I don't want to get too much away. I want you all to uh, listen to Savannah in this interview. Um, and I hope you all in our watching a romance segment last week took a look at Hollywood um, on Netflix uh, with Ryan Murphy, which is so good. And, um, speaking of polyamory, there's some stuff in there about polyamory too, but you know what? I'm not going to say another word without further ado. Please listen to our last interview in our writing in color series with author Savannah Frierson. Thank you Savannah for joining us at Romance and Color. Um, you are the last author in our Writing in Color series that we've been doing uh, for the month of May and June. Uh, so thank you so much for um, coming on and talking about um, your work and craft and publishing and all that good stuff. But before we get started, I want to know a little bit about you because your tagline kind of drew me in or you were talking about you, you write happily ever afters for late bloomers. And I just feel like as a late bloomer, that just really resonated with me. <laughs> that really resonated with me um yeah. so can you tell us a little bit about um your work and 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 um what kind of drove you to writing or inspired you to write romance novels
1: so I have to make a confession because I actually tweaked that um that log line a little bit so it, oh. it's in same spirit but now it's uh for people who Um, who craft I craft happily ever after for readers, romance readers who believe that love is worth the wait.
0: Mm. Okay, okay,
1: Um, same vein, but you know, I think it's um, I think it says a lot more than just people who are late bloomers. I think, I know, I know. I I want readers to understand that they deserve to have the trans transcendent love that they actually want they don't have mm-hmm. to settle for anything because they are afraid to be alone because everybody else got somebody or because mm-hmm. that's just what they think they're supposed to do on some schedule that nobody really cares about but them in, in wow. all honesty um, right so you know late bloomer on one hand but to me that i think it sounds late bloomer implies yeah different kinds, yeah, or they didn't have a hand in it, or it wasn't mm-hmm. intentional, but waiting
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know waiting is not necessarily passive, right waiting can be that there can be such a thing as active waiting, mm-hmm. um and I think that I have evolved as a writer from when I started to now, just all of my heroines. Usually they're not even looking. They're not even like actually sitting, you know, quote unquote by the phone waiting. They're just living life. Mm-hmm. And then here comes the trans, trans- transcendent love. And then right. like, hold on, wait a minute. Like I was good. I was right. I, had, I had a situation set up. And then here you come. And so now I gotta figure out what that means right to right. Encounter that that transcendent love. What does that mean? How do you change or how do you stay the same? You know, because everybody who you love and who loves you influences who you are. Right. Um, and so that's that's the journey that my characters have to have to go through in my novels. Sometimes it's not light and easy. Sometimes they really got to go through some things, but mm-hmm. ultimately at the end of it, there there is a happily ever after at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, and I really think that's important for Black women to know that, there's a happily ever at, ever after at the end of it we rarely get to see ourselves
0: yes as that
1: person as having that person mm-hmm. or being that person but you can be that person you have mm-hmm. the right to not to be that person mm-hmm. and so that's what I create or at least I try
0: to create in the in the works that I write mm-hmm. yeah and I, I hear what you're saying about kind of transforming it from late bloomers to somebody who's Actively waiting because, like you said, late blooming kind of implies that the person doesn't have agency and what's like going on or what's happening to them. Whereas, if you're active, you know, you've made a choice to wait, you made a choice to, you know, say, I deserve a love that should look like X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever that is. Right, 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 right. Even if you didn't didn't wait,
1: like, even if you had a relationship before that was good, like, mm -hmm. really
0: good. Mm -hmm. And
1: something and something made that relationship and whatever that is Mm -hmm. or was. Mm -hmm. You have the right to wait for that again. Right, right. You don't have to fall into the next one. You know, most of my characters, you know, this is their first major romance. um, Because at least for me, I am I'm not the type of person who was ever able to do casual.
0: um, Mm -hmm.
1: And I think there is. Something good about being able to do casual or being or actually being—I don't want to say easy because that sounds flippant, but mm-hmm. being so more willing yeah. to take a chance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and reckon, and and or the threshold for wanting to take a chance, I guess. Right, right. right. You know, more so I, because paper. I don't think that i don't think that's settling, but. I don't know. You know. You know how people say, like, you know when you know, mm-hmm. and it's like I, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet. That's basically where yeah. I am. Yeah. All of my characters and most of my characters, are like, I don't know yet. Like, yeah. Some of them been close, but like, I don't. You know. And so yeah. I feel like there's a space for having romances featuring heroines so like, I, I still don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> So, yeah,
0: yeah. There are women out there who are reading, like you know, when they're reading a romance novel, they're like, you know, you know, they're not saying they're jaded, but they're just kind of yeah. like, come on now, it doesn't, you know it's not gonna happen like this. So there is room for somebody with that sort of, not really jaded, but at the same time, they have more of a realistic view of of romance. Like, hey, you know, it may not happen like this. It may, it may look a little different. It may, you know, feel a little different. I don't know if it's gonna happen yet. You know, that type of thing. Like, you're right. You're totally right. So when did you fall in love, first fall in love with romance novels themselves? Um,
1: well, at first, like, it was funny because there was a conversation on Twitter about um, romance co- covers. I'm not going to get into that because it's not exactly um, important, but mm-hmm. I've always been drawn because the covers are so pretty. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, what's that? And my mm-hmm. mother's like, no, ma'am. You you mm. <laughs> are six years old. not the books you think they are. So of course, when I got older and I could go to the library by myself, and I saw mm-hmm. the covers, like okay, right, nobody checking right. for me like that. So I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna check out the book. I mean, you know, some of the librarians like really I'm like well, you you let me check it out, so we go check it out, right, <laughs> right, that was, right. That was how I first got into it and I was just reading whatever was not whatever was on the shelf but I always was drawn to heroines who um were in extraordinary situations mm-hmm. um so they weren't extraordinary but the situation was extraordinary right. and therefore they had to rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. And then there was, so I admittedly read a lot of Indian romances, Mm. also because those were the ones that had people of color. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And then, and they were interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I thought early how they talked about the, the American Indian women, especially when they weren't. The um, love interest versus oh. usually the white love interest, I was like, that's interesting, and it yeah. made me uncomfortable. But I kept reading anyway because at least mm-hmm. there were people of color in it. I didn't know that there was black romance because that was tucked up in the back, and I, yeah, definitely yeah. didn't going to the adult section because I would have been looked at weird. So they yeah. had in the libraries I had, they had like the paperbacks in the center mm-hmm. console, so you know, you could just. Anybody could be around there and wouldn't look weird. So that's that's where I got most of my romances. But the first um, Black romance writer um, I read was Sandy Kitt in um, mm. Color of Love. That is has my favorite, um, one of my favorites, um, because, again, she was a Black romance author. It was contemporary, even though um, I was, when did that book come out? 94, so I was like 11, 12 but I stumbled upon that one about a few years after it came out and then it was interracial. So I was like, you call, you know, oh. Revolutionary. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, and it was serious, but it was also funny. And there -hmm. was, and they were, they didn't shy away from conversations Mm -hmm. um, that I thought made the romance authentic and, um, I still flip through that book. I still go to the, to, you know, key scenes, like those turning point scenes to make you, that kept you turning the pages and, and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was my first one. So I was about the typical, the typical preteen when most of us pick up, the well, early, most of yeah. us early readers start to pick up those books. Like my mother was a mystery reader, so she didn't really have much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was literally being six the same, oh, pretty cover. And then by the time, and then when I finally got old enough to, like, pick out my own books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those ended up in there along with the the Maniac McGee's and the, um, <laughs> and, you know, the uh, Animorphs. Like, I, I was a very broad-reaching reader. <laughs> yeah. Read it, so, and yeah. Under here, my cries, all of that. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um so did you your library experience sounds like mine growing up? Did you did you grow up in the south? I see you're in South Carolina. Did you grow up in the South or I did. Or- yeah. I was
1: um I I um ha- actually both sides of my family are from the South. My mother's side is from Macon, my father's side is from King Street, South Carolina. So okay. I, you know, I wasn't okay. born in the South. That was that was
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say I say that because growing up I feel like the the romance novels, if they had black people on the cover, they automatically segregated them. You know what I mean? Yes. So they, yes. they put them all in the black section. It didn't matter if it was a historical novel or you know a romance. I mean, a romance that was purely straight up 100% romance, not really contemporary fiction or not really women's fiction, but it was a straight up 100% romance, sweet romance, mm-hmm. any type of romance. And it had black people on the cover. They threw it right in with, you know, the and black. I think that was the yeah. other reason
1: why I wasn't finding them because <laughs> I would then go to the romance section,
0: and mm. it wasn't
1: there. So you know, right? If I, you know, I think I stumbled upon the black romances when I had to look up a Maya Angelou or <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah. like oh, yeah, oh, that's
2: what really is,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> But by yeah. then I was um in college and mm-hmm. didn't really read a lot of romance in college. I, I was reading other like things so I could graduate. Um, yeah. but then <laughs> I after I, I graduated. A Harvard, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, oh, um, okay. And cool. then after that, that's when I discovered Beverly Jenkins was after graduation. Mm. I worked right next door to a borders wrestling. Mm. Um no. <laughs> at first I started check I checked her. No, I found Miss Beverly first. Where was I going? I was going somewhere. And I just popped into the something I don't ever do. I popped into like one of those airport bookstores. Mm-hmm. And Wild Street Love was looking at me. And I was drawn to it because it was a short haired, dark skinned black woman on the cover. I was like, mm-hmm. so I picked it up. <laughs> That, mm. that was it, and she yeah. had me from there. And so I downloaded every single ebook. And this was back; there was no Kindle back then. There was right. just the Adobe Digital Editions, which were hard. It's all get out to download. Yeah, and that was just, oh, I'm so glad we got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I that. and then after that, I went and bought up just about every book I could get my hands on from mm. Miss um, Beverly Jenkins. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. That that was it, and then I got to Rochelle Allers, and then I got to Frances Ray, and then I got mm-hmm. to, you know, Alice Woodson and I got to Gwen Forrest and Gwyneth. Like yeah. I just yeah. like, my bookshelf now. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah, time, you know. And then moved, and then Genesis Press came along. went, oh, thank God, now we can really read some diverse African American yeah. That was yeah. that's when they really started doing interracial romances. Yeah. So, I didn't study interracial romances in college, but I studied interracial fiction, because mm-hmm. you can't really come out of the South and not be confused about why things <laughs> the way are. They are. Exactly. So I, I was reading, you know, studying the fiction. Not romantic. It certainly wasn't romantic. And then I was like, well, I'm going to marry what I did in college with my love for romances, and that's how I started mm-hmm. writing mm-hmm. primarily interracial romances. But yeah, and then Genesis Press, and you get introduced to all these fantastic Ceresia Glass and Crystal Bright and Crystal mm-hmm. Hubley. All these, all the right, all these people. A.C. Well, she didn't write in Rachel, but she was A.C. Author was another, um, you know, author that I learned, found out through those Genesis presses and the. Parker Publishing, and then you know, obviously BET Books and Arabesque, and then that became come on, like,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So, <laughs>
0: I think I think, I think it definitely had a heyday back in like the late 90s. Yes, 90s. I, I did
1: not realize yeah. I spoiled, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Now that, but now that I guess diversity is being pushed so much, now I guess we're fortunate enough to see more black folks in the mainstream yeah but oftentimes i was as i was talking to somebody else oftentimes we don't even know that let's say you go in the bookstore you Mm -hmm. might not even know this book is about black people until you either a look at the inside the book jacket and see who the author is or because like the covers are kind of like okay what is what is this i guess they're trying to appeal to broader audiences sometimes Mm -hmm. and you're not quite sure you know what's going on here um but yeah i i I feel you it's it's, well you can't even rely on the
1: author because yeah that's true sometimes uh the author cover um picture because sometimes you know black authors are not writing about you know black people which is perfectly fine Mm -hmm. And uh, or sometimes the books that are about black people are not written by black people right so you just have to i mean ultimately I mean I, I try to read books that have black heroines. that's my primary um way that I would choose a book but you know ultimately I am trope trope driven more often Good. than not Same. Um, Same. so you know I, I'm, <laughs> I I I care about um I care about the experience that I'm going to have mm-hmm. uh, more than the characters that I'm going to have them with, but right. I'm also at the point where I tend to have a stable of authors that I trust mm-hmm. to give me both. <laughs> so, right, 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 um, right. You know, and now more than ever, I think we rely on our author and reader friends to like guide us to those new authors and new to us authors, mm-hmm. so that we can continue getting those experiences with writers who care about telling authentic stories Mm -hmm. with a diverse body of people. Right. Whatever that diversity looks
0: like. Right, right, exactly. So you and I have something in common. We both work at universities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm wondering how you balance your um, professional life um, because you're writing full-time and working full-time. How do you balance all of this uh, and what is your what is your typical writing schedule kind of look like? Schedule?
2: <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah <I> know.
0: <laughs> that's that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I laughed when I said and I was like, "Schedule? Huh? Why <laughs> I <need it?" laughs> what, I, what I
1: typically typically do is because I wake up so early. Mm-hmm. And that's just the nature of when I started my professional career as a proofreader. Um, and they didn't make me do this. I just naturally woke. And that's not true. My grandmother made me wake up early. <laughs> right? So I started waking up early because my grandma did. And mm-hmm. I lived in the country. So there was definitely a crow that if my grandmother didn't give me up, that that crow, that that crow, that um, rooster did. oh. Mm-hmm. Was crowing, that's what I was trying to say. So, if my grandmother didn't wake me up, the rooster crowing did. Um, and that was usually before dawn. So, whenever dawn happens, I'm usually up before that. Um, mm. and right now, there's a bird that likes to chirp right before dawn, and I'm like, Yo, really? Oh, so I don't really care.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the universe, the world is like, It's time for you to wake up. And my grandma literally said, girl, if the sun is up, you should be too. And I said, mm-hmm. yes ma'am. So that's how that's how I do it. So in the mornings, I use the, those, that, those few minutes or however long that is um, to write something. Right. Then I get ready, go to work. And luckily I'm able to leave work a little earlier than just about all my other coworkers because I'm usually the first in the building. And so mm-hmm. I have a substantial amount of afternoon to work also, to write also. Um, but yeah, I usually do the bulk of my writing on the weekends because then I can get up early and then just write. Mm-hmm. Till I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. When there's yeah. a slow moment at work, and this is something that my um, coworkers and my supervisors have been very generous about. If there's a slow moment, they will allow me to write hmm mm-hmm. but especially when I was a proofreader they're like sometimes I didn't get a project to proofread and it's like well, well I'm not gonna just sit here <laughs> right 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 and the funny thing is that um when I was working there just about everybody was a literary something so I had mm-hmm. one co-worker who was a playwright another co-worker who did writing on her own another coworker who did i mean so we were definitely literary so yeah you know i kind of learned how to um get in where i can fit in um mm-hmm. when it comes to that um but yeah i schedule i don't i just know that if i have something to do i need to work however i need to work to get it done by then
0: that's ultimately how that goes down and does your does your kind of past experience as a proofreader kind of factor into how you work or how you write? Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of disappointing. Like, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> it does. Um I
1: this is what my agent actually says, like, you have some of the cleanest manuscripts. <laughs> oh wow. <That's laughs> that I, ever, I mean, they're not error free, but she's like, Yeah, these are some of the cleanest. Man, it's because I I be seeing and these are first drafts went, well, this is the first time you've seen it, but (laughs) that's I mean, I've edited that bad boy. And and when I say edit, I'm mostly saying copy edit. Developed editing is very different, but yeah, the copy edits, the mechanical edit stuff, that's usually pretty, pretty clean. So I but because I like I I pay attention to how words sound together. Or mm-hmm. how, how the cadence of a sentence or right. Yeah, being in the south, you know how there's there's a rhythm, there's a there's a oh. musicality to how we talk and so oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of my characters are from the south. Yeah. I pay attention to that a lot. So mm-hmm. I will say being a proofreader has made me um a bit more sensitive to word choice. And that's not to say mm-hmm. I don't have crutch words and my crutch phrases but mm-hmm. i care if i if there's obvious repetition
0: and i didn't want it if that right that makes right. sense yeah 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 totally totally that totally makes sense so what so so you kind of touched on something i want to talk about next which was you talk about the kind of musicality of the south and living in the south and being from the south how much of your experience as a southern black woman um you know how much of that informs what you're writing and how much of that do you build upon the world that you're you're writing you know um for your romance novel
1: all of it <laughs> um, I, and I'm not saying that to to be cute but I, I mean, right right saying slow because it's a uh, uh, like okay, so the thesis that I wrote to so I could graduate college yeah. ended up being um, reconstructing Jada Channing, and yeah. I made a deliberate decision that when she's talking to her family and her friends, especially her close family and her close friends, she's going to speak in dialect. So she's going to drop her G's and she's going to say like she's gonna she's gonna say gonna, you know, yeah. she's talking to. You know n- n- people who aren't friends or, p- or in more formal settings she's going to speak in a very different way mm-hmm. and i remember reading a review saying that well she didn't go get- go to harvard because she doesn't talk the way that <laughs> what i to have heard and <laughs> i was like well yes and and to be fair, there are people in the, there were other people in the reviews who were like, well, she's doing that on purpose. Like, I understand the concept of code switching. I know what, what's going on. Right. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And the reason why I wrote, because I wrote that in the thesis. Mm-hmm. And they understood that and this is, and I said this to somebody else, because I think I was feeling, feeling a little um, not nervous, but hesitant about even doing that but then mm-hmm. i had to say well you know what i went to harvard and when i am not in a formal setting i certainly
0: right right
1: right, right. in standard english i just don't so
0: i, mean, um, I think you know that's just it's, so absurd to me that's just yeah. so absurd because i mean some of our greatest literary mind particularly in the african-american canon wrote in dialect so i mean what
1: we would i was just talking about this with my sister she was like remember
0: when we had to read
1: um not roll of thunder even though there's dialect in that room you had to read their eyes are watching god and your yes. head classmates were like i can't read <laughs> right <laughs> right oh look at me and, I, and i'm just like this is clear as a bell i don't understand what yeah it's like, like she's writing phonetically just say it and right. it's gonna be what it is. Right. No, but I, but what I was also saying was like, well, you know, the point is is that the character Jada, Enrica, reconstructing Jada Channing, mm-hmm. who went to Harvard, she was in a certain environment for eighteen years. Mm-hmm. She was at Harvard University for
0: four. Right. Right. So which was really more influential to your life? And she went back home. Mm. Let me
1: tell you, somebody who. Came from the south, lived up north for eight years, and came back home. My sister said, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, it's kind of easy. I mean, I was trying to my 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 roommates at school were like, <laughs> I've sounded like you. And I said, not quite, but I mean, it's a, it's a, it's one heck of a of a dialect. Like we have a we have a good, mm-hmm. it's a nice character of a speaking dialect that we have down here particularly right. among Black people. Like, my grandmother and my aunt do not speak the same, even mm-hmm. though they're from the same area in Georgia. And, I'm, and I love listening to them talk. And, they're, and I have another friend who does not talk like I do. I have a very different way of talking than she does. Like, she, I think, is a more stereotypical Hollywood Southern dialect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love it. and it's And it's funny because... When I was up at Harvard and I met other Southerners, we were like, "I think you're from Texas. I think you're from yeah. Alabama. I think you're from North Carolina." Like, we could generally, Hell, yeah,
0: <laughs> where people are from, because all Southern isn't the same. It isn't. It isn't. You're right. This kind of hollow. This kind of watered down notion that, because I can't stand when I when I'm watching a movie or something like that or even reading a book, and its I know it's written by somebody that's not from the South. Right. And they're, the way that they're speaking, like, my pet peeve, like, one of my, I love the show, but my pet peeve with House of Cards, was I was like, nobody in his age, um, Kevin Spacey's age, yeah. would really talk like that. That's somebody that predates him. You know and, what I mean? That would really right. talk like that. You know, like, 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 that's not, that's not how we talk. <laughs> right 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 not how we talk. That's, that's not that's
1: not that's no no well, I, like,
0: I, like, I was like i was like i've been to gaffney south carolina i know yeah. what it sounds like you know what i mean it, it does not sound like like that you know yeah. it's, it's it's crazy i i totally get get that people think that we're it's kind of monolithic and and things like that so in your writing what kind of we talk about those things what kind of stereotypes and things that you want to kind of uh, break when you're when you're writing, like when you're writing your characters, particularly in romance, mm-hmm. all the things from the South, being black women, what kind of things do you kinda of want to shake up in people's like minds when it comes to romance and things like that, um, that are quote unquote stereotypical, things that you wanna I guess I don't know if you're trying to avoid a trope or avoid a stereotype or things like that, but what kind of things I are you think like, when, when, I was, I would,
1: when, yeah. when I was a newer author, I think I wanted to right against the notion that Black women were hypersexual. Mm. So my, my heroines became not asexual, but they wanted to wait mm-hmm. or they wanted to find the right person. Mm-hmm. And I hope, I really hope that I struck the right balance. Of This is this per- particular character's choice. This is not a value judgment on other people who have chosen—I mean—that was the purpose of Shay, the Shay who is Jada's, who is Jada's best friend, basically her sister. Like the was more of a quote-unquote stereotypical rough-edged black girl, but the was also an entrepreneur. The was she—I don't want to say overcome, but she blazed a path for herself that you know, society would have written her off for, you know, like right, right. was Jada's support system, Deshae was the one who was like what well, we not finna do <laughs> Deshae was the one who was like, girl you better go get your happiness however you need to get, you know, so I was trying to present a different type, not type a different I don't really see an option, but just as a new, I guess, a new player has entered the game, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, a and then, um, also, of a, a black women who are well accomplished, who are who are driven, but who also, hopefully, this is what again what I will try to do, who also don't forget where they came from and are not ashamed of where they Ooh. came
0: from, are not
1: trying to run away from where they came from. Um, you know, like, very secure, very proud of their Blackness, of their Southerness, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not trying to flatten, you know, if they if they have to modulate how they speak, it's only because this is how they have to play the game, but not because they're ashamed of, you know, you know, the home bench, you know, so to speak. Right, right, right. Um, it's, and that's where I was starting. And now... You know, I think I want to give, again, I want to give voice to saying it's okay to wait. Mm-hmm. One, and then two, as you're going, you know, to pursuing your career or trying to build up your life, mm-hmm. as it is to be careful to allow space for that trans- transcendent love. Oh, and really that's the one that's the thing that I'm still struggling with. Oh my God. <laughs> As I am, you know, trying to get my career and my personal life in order, you know, my sister would just tell me, like, you know, make sure you leave some room for that for that love. Like it's okay right. to want it. It's okay to desire it. It's okay to yearn for that. But I, you know, for me, I don't I don't think yearning is at the exclusion of pursuing for you i don't know if i'm making that make sense but I mean,
0: it makes sense it makes sense I, you yeah. know i
1: think at least in my generation we were always told especially if this is the thing that you hear for black women you don't need a man's like but it's not about need
0: right it's about want <laughs> <laughs> it's not about
1: need it's about i would like and not like even it. just a man a partner you don't mm-hmm. need wrong. like, but actually, though, the way that humanity is set up, a lot of us do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot and of us do, right. <laughs> and right.
2: it's okay. Um,
1: right. And then exploring, and, and and I'm starting now to start writing more about polyamorous relationships because I I,
0: want, think- I wanted to get into that because I saw <laughs> that I was like, okay, now hold on now. What is, what, interracial poly romance? You got to break that down. What does well, that I mean? mean?
1: <laughs> it's like, why not, first of all? okay, but, um, <laughs> but also because, you know, I think a lot of times the way that society talks about Black women, mm-hmm. you know, especially when they do those dating surveys or those Not dating surveys, dating studies, or marriage studies about Black women being the the group least likely to outmarry or outdate or what have you. Right. There's a lot of conversation about why that is, but Mm -hmm. I think I'm just saying, look, that transcendent love might look a little different. Different, yeah, yeah. Than what you think is gonna look like. It might be in multiple people. Mm -hmm. It might be in somebody you didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be in a situation you didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. And there's no, especially in the United States, right now, anyway, Mm -hmm. there's no law saying that you can't create that transcendent love the way that it fits for you, however that looks. Right, right.
0: With whatever that looks like. Yeah, and I think I think that's a revolutionary notion, particularly in 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 romance literature. You don't hardly see that. You don't hardly see women saying, you know, I'm gonna have. It's always the fairy tale with one prince charming, not three. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, right. it's, like, you know, I think that's quite like brave of you. I'll say to step out there and put that idea. Not not saying put the idea in people's heads, but just put that idea out there that. There are people out there living like this. I mean, you just can't make it up for no reason. There are people out here that are truly living in relationship with other people like this. And it's right. and they're happy. You know what I mean? And they make it work, you know? Well, I
1: mean, and also the notion of having one person be your one and only in everything. That's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
1: just, know, we, I, I don't think that's I mean, we are conditioned as a society to be monogamous for a whole mm-hmm. host of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Religious reasons, legal reasons, state reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's easier to transfer property when you only have to worry about one person to give it right. to right. You. Like, all sorts of things. But, you know, especially back in the day when f- families and neighborhoods were a little bit more close-knit, like we could go to other people for different things that we need like i i you know people are mothers and best friends and sisters and daughters Mm -hmm. they're all that in Mm -hmm. one person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the heart is big enough to love a whole heap of people Mm -hmm. and that whole heap of people does not just have to be familial or platonic Right, right. But I'm just I'm exploring that notion of. Okay, if we if we can say, we love people and we can have different forms of love with different people. If there's open communication about it, why can't there also be, polyamory? Mm-hmm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and and what does that mean? What what does that look? And what does that look like when? It's, sex and eroticism is not the driving force of it
0: right 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 it's, it's so funny you say that because you know growing up I remember when I was dating and my mom was like especially when I was alone like a mm-hmm. single she was like well talk to you, you need a man for this and you need a man for that and you need a man like, right. she did, like you know you need somebody that's handy and then you right. need somebody who can take you out and you need somebody to do this you know she was very very um living with that which is sort of kind of like polyamory right but not quite you know what I but mean not, what but, the,
1: but the notion is the same like the notion is like the same the same you're mean. gonna find all of this in one person is very unlikely mm,
0: so yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 so you so you've been you you've independently published right primarily yes yeah primarily have yes.
1: Some books released with um small e publishers um, mm. early in my career and um I'm ha- I'm grateful for that opportunity and that experience
0: and now you're agented so what's that process been like as far as querying and finding an agent and what did the kind of publishing process look like for you as far as that's concerned uh <laughs> <laughs> So
1: disclaimer, my agent found me, not the other way around. Wow! (laughs) Wow! Okay, that was that was a hurdle I did not have to jump. That's a blessing, actually. Uh, But I will say, when I first started writing, I did query, Mm -hmm. and it was hard out here for a black romance writer writing interracial set in the 1960s (laughs) because they're like "Mm -hmm." yeah 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 (laughs) and I'm like I mean but yeah that's that's what I want that's the first book that's what we're going with it's either going to be this one or it's going to be the other one (laughs) that's also Mm -hmm. interracial and uh talking about generational pain and 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 all that like Mm -hmm. both of these are going to be at the time I didn't realize that, especially Jada, was probably something that um publishers were more comfortable calling women's fiction, but that wasn't really a thing. I mean it was a thing, yeah, but yeah. women's fiction with heavy romantic elements, like basically that you know, I was I think I was confusing for a lot of the agents. Like I mm-hmm. could I can imagine them being like, How in the world would I pitch this? Right. To- big five back then right. right you know what I mean <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I stopped I stopped querying because I was doing pretty good as an indie author mm. um I was at that time in my career I was doing what I I was because all ultimately ultimately all I wanted to do was get my books out to market and I could do that I didn't need an agent to do that Right. And right. then my agent found, like, we were already friendly um, through actually Harry Potter. <laughs> so really? we were in communities on Live Journal. And um, so that's how we knew each other. And then I think she, I don't remember which book it was that piqued her interest, but she's like, Yeah, I want to represent you. I said, Oh, wow. wow. Cool.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. And I've been with her ever since. That that's was of awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You were just like, it's just a blessing in disguise for you. I trust. Me, I've been out here. I've been. I've queried a couple of times, and I've gotten some rejections, and I'm like, mm, I don't, yeah, I know. Had I had I don't
1: rejections. I had partial requests, had some full requests, but it wasn't meant for me. So you know, now that's why I always preface when people ask me about my agent journey. I'm like, look, this is this is this is rare. This, right, is not, right. this is definitely the exception mm-hmm. so all that being said like my my hunt for it but you know so yeah I mean ultimately though the thing that really helped me and which is probably why I even decided to stop queering is that they're not giving you it's not the, they're not the. I mean they're gatekeeping on the one hand but it's also like this is a two way relationship Right. This is not they control your career. This is they're helping you guide your career to where you want it to be. Right. If agent isn't going to get you where you want to go, then don't work with that person. And it's not personal, it's a no hard feelings thing, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a partnership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to make, you got to do your research about okay, where does this person? So most of their projects. If you are an if you are an author who wants a big five print run mm-hmm. and the agent that you're looking at is primarily selling books to e first publishers uh-huh. and doesn't have a track record of having um those books converted into print runs. Mm-hmm. Then that person might not be the right person for you. That doesn't mean right. that this person isn't successful. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean this person doesn't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But if you have a particular goal, just make sure that this aid, the agents that you're searching for mm-hmm. represent your values to mm-hmm. the best figure out.
0: Mm-hmm. Represent
1: the career tra- trajectory that you want to go, mm-hmm. and are willing to grow with you, willing to listen to you. Mm. and are willing to provide opportunities that you wouldn't think for for yourself
0: so was it was it important for you to have an agent who was also a person of color
1: um i think yes i don't think it was a conscious thing
0: mm-hmm. Um, kind of organically happened
1: yes mm-hmm. i i think i just cared like they wouldn't shut down my projects right, and right. tell me, this is, I can't sell it. Like, you know, other, mm-hmm. obviously then I can't work with you. If you don't think you can sell it. Not right. as a negative, it's just like, clearly we're not going to be able to work together. But mm-hmm. I will say that has definitely helped that mm-hmm. she is a person of color who can understand what that means to navigate a industry, an industry that is still, pretty homogenous in a whole lot of ways yeah like, yeah for me and my career <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah so, yeah. yeah the the publishing industry is still primarily middle class to upper middle class white and women kind of being the like you said gatekeepers of what is being disseminated out there for folks to read you know um and if they don't understand you and your nuances and, and things that you're trying to express then you may not have that relate like, you know they may not advocate for you the way you want them to advocate for you
1: and this is so, to say they can't they're not saying they I can't want, exactly i want that to be very clear that is not mm-hmm. to say that they can't right um, but it you know since the biggest book sell- sellers now are the big big box stores they're the walmarts they're the targets they're the mm-hmm. You're not the Barnes. I mean, Barnes and Noble is still pop. You know, in part, Amazon. You know, yeah. You know, so that 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 is. I mean, and I'm speaking mainly for print. Mm-hmm. So they have certain markets that they have to think about. How is this going to sell? So, like, you know, certain titles will obviously sell better in the South there's a bigger Black population versus other titles that probably won't sell as well in America where there's not as much particular, excuse me, particular diversity. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I I mean, there's a numbers and there's a numbers issue. There's a demographic issue. There's a distribution, there's all sorts of things. So, yeah, what's got to balance. And, and, And it's the problem that you see also in, you know, the music industry. Think about how flat, the popular music industry is right now. I yeah, I' So true. You know the the '90s. There was all sorts of different music on the radio.
0: Right, right,
1: right. Oh, like I could hear Nirvana, and then the next song would be. Uh, that's too early, but why not? CNC Music Factory, and then the song like, <laughs> that is Tony Brat. Like there was all yeah, sorts yeah. Of diversity on. Yeah. You know, top four, and now it's like everything sounds. Now, so, yeah. the same sounds a lot. Because those, that, that music are sure bets. Right, right, right. It's right. harder now for people to take chances on things. I mm. get it. Especially now when entertainment is so fractured, Like consumers have more choice now than ever. So, how do you that's make true. sure they choose you? You go yes. with the bet. So, I mean, I understand. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating, but that's why it's so good that India publishing does not have the stigma that it used to have
0: right 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 so, you know
1: as long as we yeah. can figure out how to make it work in all the distribution channels <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what we're trying to do now at least that's what i'm trying to do right to get in on the traditional publishing deals how can i improve upon my indie publishing how can i enter the audio book space how can i you know why why not do you know merchandising why not try to figure out how to get one of these books into a in different medium like theater or movies or tele- like you know that's that's and that's why you kind of want an agent now right like, you right. Know how to negotiate those sub rights that you can't really yes. a Kindle because that's not what it's set up to do exactly but you know, everybody's journey everybody's goal is different everybody is not trying to be New York Times bestseller and that is perfectly fine yeah Whatever, and and also like you might not be at this stage yet <laughs> like, yeah you took me time to decide yeah I want to do this now
0: yeah everybody yeah. everybody's first book is not gonna come out and be the blockbuster you know
1: <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it doesn't happen like that the, not, the book, all,
1: not, not not usually no <laughs> yeah yeah
0: the books that you see that are coming out like that those people. You think, oh, my God, they're overnight success. Not really, because overnight took 15 years, you know. 15
1: so. years, and this is probably the eighth manuscript that they finally sold.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it
1: paid you off. I'm like, well, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of success, so what does success look like for you? What do you think success, literary success looks like for you?
1: What it looks like to me is that I can support myself only on my books. Mm. Mm. I'm not there yet. Not even close. But <laughs> that is what success would look like for me. Uh. Um, so, you know, if that means that I sell a traditional publishing deal, if that means mm. one of these books just decides to blow up all of a sudden on you know, indie publishing platforms, great, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. But, you know, I really would like, because I said that I wanted to be an author since junior year in high school. Right. Like, this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um. But also, I think success is, am I somebody people want to work with? Some people, somebody people want to, see succeed somebody mm-hmm. you know who is supportive of other of other authors mm-hmm. um, you know because the one thing one thing that I'm that has been a hard thing to learn not because I didn't want to <laughs> but because mm-hmm. I was resistant to it for so long because I had this idea of what that looked like is that writing is a solitary thing oh yes but yeah. being an author is not
0: yeah <laughs> yeah two different things
1: those, are,
0: <laughs> those yes. are two
1: different things and like you can't no longer can you be a successful well-renowned author and nobody know who you are those, right. those days are long gone and I had to mourn that fact right <laughs> for a long time um mm. But yeah, now, now that's important. Now you have to, you have to have a good crew of people around you right? and keep you motivated, keep you, cause this, this, this can be solitary. It's all get out. And one thing I am also working about is being kinder to myself, speaking to myself with love mm-hmm. and with criticism. Mm-hmm. um. And sometimes you need people to help you with that.
0: Yeah. You, so. you touched on the, the solitary part. How do you break out of like when it's really, when it gets like in are in the weeds and you're just kind of like alone and kind of, you know, just trucking along and then you feel like, okay, I, I'm just alone. I don't know what I'm doing. Or, or you're stuck on a page, you're stuck on a thought. Like how do you break that up? How do you break up that kind of I stop writing
1: feeling? and I go into a either a Twitter, Twitter spiral, you usually it's a YouTube or a Wikipedia spiral actually. Mm-hmm. Um or actually I just start listening to music that makes me sing and dance. Mm-hmm. And then I can usually get back to it. Or which is what a lot of people say don't do, I start reading other people. Mm -hmm. and I'm and I just and I have to remind myself what is it I am trying to give to readers the same experience that I am currently getting now
0: right
1: my favorite reliable authors
0: right
1: right right I do the same thing yeah (laughs) and sometimes when you finally feel that oh yes that's that's what I want it's like oh now I know how to do it in my own story Right, and go back. But sometimes, if you're in the weed, like you, you forgot what that feeling was. Like I don't even know. Right. I just need. I need to get to the workout. Like, right. like That's not that's not the experience that you're trying to get them to. You're not trying to get them to the workout. You're trying to get them to that experience. So mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to reset and and put it down, take a walk, listen to good music, watch a movie, read another book, mm-hmm. something to like get you back to whatever that experiential spaces so that you can recreate that with your own story so yeah. and that's actually what i um, did today i was like oh <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I, I i got that feeling reading talia Hoover and like oh yes now yeah. i know how to do it in mine yeah how, how i can get to that feeling hopefully yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a theory of how I can get to that, <laughs> yeah. that feeling in my in my story now mm-hmm. um, but I know authors who are like I can't read other people's work when I other people's romances when I write and that's perfectly fine like yeah different processes like yeah so I, I completely get it I
0: completely get it but yeah that's for me that's how I do it yeah all right so Savannah we touched on so much in this interview but I want to end with a like rapid fire questions. Okay. So whatever comes up on your mind, first thought, first feeling, first whatever, just just say it. It doesn't have to be like fully fleshed out. Okay. <laughs> um, just say it, and um, we'll kind of like go from there. So your favorite book as a kid? Roll of thunder, hear my cry. Same. That that was the book
1: that I want to. I want, I want other people to feel like this. Yes, yes I want. I that know. was the book. That was the book that showed me that I could be. In a story, I think I read yeah, the book. Yeah, I could be like, oh, Cassie Logan is my girl, like mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that book was set in the '30s. She just resonated yeah. with me so much. So yeah, I that, want somebody that, to. I want
0: somebody to do a whole Netflix series on it. I, it I deserves, a it, it deserves,
1: deserves a series. It deserves a series.
0: Yeah, it really deserves a series. Do you like to write heroes or villains? Heroes. Heroes. We got enough villains. I want to write. <laughs> um, do you like to write love scenes or dramatic arguments?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually neither. I like slice of life.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I like slice of life, but if okay. I had to pick between the two,
0: probably love scenes okay okay I know this is a little controversial because these are two different mediums and things don't always translate mm-hmm. uh, well but what's the best book to movie that you've seen um. if you have you can say none
1: <laughs> I, I, I can't think of any off the top. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can't think of. The, and I think it's because there's so many movies that mm-hmm. are adapted from books that I don't even know at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like, never heard of. So I, I, I really, I, I can't, I'm not, I don't watch
0: enough movies to know. Mm-hmm.
1: An adaptation, so I, Yeah, I don't think
0: I can answer that. Okay. Your favorite place to write? my bed and i shouldn't but yeah um with an advance what will be or has been your biggest purchase
1: (laughs) paying off my
0: debt i know that's
1: right (laughs) (laughs) if i ever got an event that would be but 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 barring that it will probably be a trip that i really want to go on yeah
0: yeah about book reviews to read or not to read as far as your own book reviews i
1: don't but i think i'm gonna start i'm I'm gonna say no the reason why i say that i'm probably gonna start is because they'll tell you i mean first of all they have the right to their opinion (laughs) right but also and for me especially when you're writing back cover copy or you're trying to write ad copy like you mm. want to see what other people think of what your voice is you want to see what other right. people you are good at doing
0: and right. then you
1: want to see what people think that you should work on right um, so i think i'm gonna have to get over my ego mm-hmm. like let me be in my feelings for a second and then read what folks say because okay. if there's a certain train of thought that's informative and then mm-hmm. that lets me know what I need to work on and what I need to keep doing, right, right I'm not saying you got to read them all in one sitting, like there's only so much we fragile okay. yeah okay. and 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 another thing is that you get you get much better at knowing what you need to not even worry about, like That's true. okay, so you didn't even read the book, so fine right right you or or like. If if they expected a trope and they didn't get it, what was in the back copy that they thought they were gonna get? That, mm-hmm. they, you know, things like that. Because right. sometimes a negative review is like they didn't get the experience that they thought they were. gonna mm-hmm. get. That doesn't mean the story was bad. It just means mm-hmm. that they didn't get the experience they thought they were gonna get. Right, right. So, so the that's last going to start approaching the
0: reading. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So what's the last romance novel that you read? Um what is it called? It was
1: um not that. That was not it. Don't get it stuck. Um mm-hmm. it was one of Talia Hibbert's um the box sets. So, I just finished the first story in that box and I cannot find it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was her. Okay. But I also, I just bought Jack Hayron's Meet Cute Club. I just bought Katrina Jackson's Office Hours. I'm like, I am, I keep rereading Zenny from Rebecca Weatherspoon. like if I want wit and humor and like really good friendships, I go to um, Tessa Dare. She's yeah, cool. But she 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 gets my not just female friendships though, but male her male friendships. They don't they the characters don't think they're friends, but they super are. They're oh. hilarious. I have I yeah. Like, if I just want a feel-good feel-good story, Tessa Darius, good stuff. Salika Ooh. Snyder. Yeah, like... But if I want some heat, if I want some heat, I, 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 I read center by Sierra Smoke. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Ouch. <Ow. laughs> yeah. Ooh. But yeah, oh. it was
0: Natalia
1: Hibbert. I can't remember the name of it. It's not showing. Is it the yet.
0: dirty, the dirty British ones? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I do- I downloaded one a bet and I haven't finished it. Please so. finish that. That one is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I I i downloaded it. I was like, okay, I haven't finished it.
1: Yeah, but- no, it was it was definitely that 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 it was Theo and Jenny. That's the Jennifer,
0: yeah. that that was the story I just finished reading. Okay. Cool, cool. So music, does it help you write? And if so. No, <laughs> It does not anymore
1: because I end up singing. <laughs> oh <no way>. Lord. <laughs> no ma'am, you, you gotta you gotta buckle down. So um, but if I'm if I need to be in the head, like I was writing a story that's not published yet and not even done, but part of the storyline was that they were they're filming a movie set in World War II um Ooh. England or Italy, some someplace. I don't know. And the there's a band there's like a a lounge act in the in the story and so I was listening to a lot of um that era of jazz a lot of Ella Fitzgerald a lot of um Sarah Vaughn even though I think she was later than that but that type of but they sing the standards so I was listening to that to help me get in that headspace um but, yeah, if I if I do listen to music, it does not have any words. If I'm trying to actually do work while listening to music, it's instrumentals. Yeah. I okay. tend to like, not techno, but I like um, throbbing bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, really bass heavy or a lot of pulse, but not really. Um, so, not lo-fi, because I think lo-fi is too Relax. relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it used to be it used to be classical, but because I played the viola, I would get distracted because I would know what the song is, oh, Lord. <laughs> and then I would end up like remembering what the finger patterns were. I'm like, okay, that oh. that never work anymore. But I love me some Gustav Holtz like the planet yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, that's why I can't really listen to uh, um, classical as much. So yeah, so nothing there, that makes me sleepy and nothing that I can recognize because then I get I'm a Gemini I get easily distracted so. <laughs>
0: um, is there a book that, out there that you wish you would have written
1: <sighs> I mean
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean where do I start <laughs> but Ooh. the thing is that I could not have written it the people who wrote it were the right people to write it yeah. It would yeah. have been a very different story if I had tried. That's why you can write that's why you can have a trope and have so many different versions of the trope because right. people are going to approach it differently. Right. Um, right. So I I I think yeah. I think I would have I I think it's more accurate to say I wish that I had hit the emotional beats that those stories were able to hit. Mm-hmm. and i and I can't say that they didn't do that for other people mm-hmm. that's not fair to say, but I guess my goal is I hope that I'm able to hit those the beats the same way that these books that I love so much were able to hit me.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess that's the best way to put that. Do you have a favorite word you use in your writing?
1: Yes, <laughs> do I know it? is no but I but I'm sure if I look at some old drafts I'll be oh there it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I think I say looked a lot. I say you know I
0: <laughs> I say because a lot. I know when I write I say because and I'll start a sentence with because I don't know you're not supposed to but I don't care. So I'm just
1: like <laughs> I think for me, it's more punctuation than words. Like, I love mm-hmm. me I love me M dash mm-hmm. I love me a semicolon meaning mm-hmm. I love, I am all about making the sentence be as long as possible mm-hmm. like, a long grammatically correct sentence is for some reason satisfying to me. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. And my agent and my editor and my editor's like honey, I need you to make them stop speaking Right.
0: Pause. Yes. Really? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. me,
1: me, and m dashes and
0: semicolons are tight. Be tight. <laughs> um, if your book became a movie, who would you like to play the lead or leads? I mean, I which book? <laughs> any book, any
2: of your books. It doesn't matter.
1: Um, I think. She's a little bit older now, but I think that Nicole Bahari would make a good Coralie Simmons. Mm,
0: mm.
1: And I think...
0: She doesn't get enough roles. I love her. She doesn't, she doesn't get, get enough roles.
1: She's from South Carolina, so I really want her to prosper. <laughs> I don't know who would make a good Benny right now. Mm. mm. I, I don't... Wait. That, I don't know. I think Benny is more of a a vibe Mm
0: -hmm.
1: more than a look like he has a pretty I'm not gonna say basic but he has blue eyes and brown hair but he has a it's a the funny thing is I think I had just seen so yeah Benny is hard he's a hard Mm -hmm. because he he's he's got far to travel (laughs) Mm. Um, but yeah nicole bahari could knock out coralie um Mm. i think somebody said that chris hensworth or chris evans would make a good granger from um, a professional pack Mm. Um, and then who was the person that i Layla Hathaway is not an actress, but she was the person that I envisioned for Dina. Mm. That kind of vibe for Dina. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I mean... I know that's hard. hard, I mean... Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) Because my, my characters are not really based off of like I don't do cast. I used to, I do it more now, but when I first started running, I never did casting. It was just these are who they are, mm-hmm. and, and that was it. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, definitely Nicole Bahari for Coralie. I have no mm-hmm. idea for at I I had a vision Jared Leto for Benny, mm-hmm. but mainly mm-hmm. off of looks, but. That's a, that's a no-go now. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't...
0: Yeah, that... I don't know. Um, but we, can, we, can, we can skip that one, man. Yeah. We we'll come back to it. Um, Where do you see romance novels going in the next, say, decade? I actually
1: think it's going to get more diverse. Now, whether mm-hmm. traditional publishing follows along with that, who knows, but I think more and more people are willing to explore what romance can look like, mm-hmm. and I just think it's, I mean, I think of the things that I can write now that I couldn't mm-hmm. write even five years ago, like, I did, this is, I wrote, I co-wrote a polyamorous romance called Loose.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I personally think that's some of the best writing that I've done, especially because my co-author um she pushed me to to like go for it. She she was she she helped me become a better writer and um but that book did not really do well. Mm. And I think it's because it was too soon. Yeah, yeah, too <laughs> so early, folks, yeah. We yeah. timing, yeah. Folks weren't ready for that story yet. Mm. Anyway. And mm-hmm. even to this day my cousins like, "Yo, what about that book?" <laughs> and we <which> just was- <laughs> I, I was struggling not because it was difficult to write as in like I'm nervous about but it was just like I had to I had to dig deep and really mm-hmm. explore what that what polyamory and, and monogamy meant for me as a person like would I be willing to be in a poly? what would that look like how would that how would we balance and make sure that everybody felt got what they needed like you're not just managing one of not managing but you're not just concerned about one person you're concerned about most like how does that look like? what does it look like and especially because i i haven't even been in a monogamous relationship <laughs> um but yeah like and now you got menages you got quads you got adult snow you white in the seven drawers types you know like you, right, got, right. you have a i mean and granted a lot of that is more erotic and steamier than they not, but the fact that they're even out there is something that I don't, especially when I first started writing mm-hmm. and publishing back in 2007, unheard of. Like that Boy. was not even a thing. And now you can get book bub deals <laughs> and all sorts, you know, so I, uh, for me, I'm happy to see people exploring what a romance can look like. Mm-hmm. And and giving, the, allowing other different, you know, and, you know, trans romance, like trans characters being the center, the protagonist of their romances. And, mm-hmm. and you know, LGBT, other LGBTQ and people with this, like, that's just so good. you Heroines yeah. and heroes and, and non-binary, folks don't have to be perfect. Like, right. I think, I think and, and I mean, like physically perfect like right you know because back in the day you know all these it was almost confusing like why can't this person (laughs) find a road like if she's so beautiful and then what is what is happening what is going on if he's so hot what is you know but now it's like anybody let me Mm -hmm. phrase. there's more opportunity to see yourself Reflecting, receiving yeah. a happily ever after now, then I think there has, been, <coughs> and I only think that that's going to continue, because mm-hmm. I think readers are now going to start demanding that, and they mm-hmm. are, and they are now. That's why you have traditional publishers saying that we want own voices, we want diversity. That I mean, they, they <coughs> you know, if they're, if they're getting that. That's something very different, but they're saying that they want it now.
2: Mm-hmm. That was not
1: the thing that they were saying when I first started writing. Right, right. I mean That was not a thing that they, they were writing in their, you know, manuscript wish lists that they want own voices and they want LGBTQ romances and they want neurodivergent. They, they weren't saying that.
0: that right, right,
1: right. And so now we are normalizing difference and that's really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so then my last question for you, when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books that you write?
1: I want them to say that if they had, they were able to get a smoopy feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to feel smoopy. I want them to say that that was, I am I'm, I'm glad that I gave my time to this book. Mm-hmm. or or I didn't regret giving my time to this book. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. even asking to be somebody's favorite. I'm mm-hmm. just asking that they feel like that was a worthwhile experience. Right. Right. And if it's not, you know, I'll do better with the next book hopefully. Right. Right. But, I mean, that's really all I think that's at the heart. I think that's really what we all want. Like mm-hmm. I want, I want, I want readers to feel seen, however that <laughs> needs to look. But I want them to feel seen, and I want them to feel like they did not waste their time.
0: Right. My book. Right. right. Well, thank you so much, Savannah. This has been an awesome, awesome conversation. I can keep talking to you for like a, another hour, but yep. <laughs> but um, I know we got other things to do. But this has been amazing, and thank you so much. And. Um, I'm with you on, you know, giving people that story that they need that, that is gonna make them feel like you said sloopy. So thank you so much for talking to me.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. And you know, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You know, like, they, like Toni like Tony Morrison said, if you don't see the book that you want to see, or if you don't have the multimedia presence that you want to see then you got to
0: create it and so that's that i live by that yeah thank you so much thank you so much you're very welcome well you guys that was our last episode in our writing in color series I want to thank Savannah Frierson for her openness, her honesty, us talking to her about her work. Um, You can find Savannah on Twitter and Instagram at SJF Books. That's SJF Books. But I cannot believe we are at the end of everything. Um, This has been an amazing, amazing journey this season um love and love and light to my partner in crime uh yakini who you know thank you for doing this podcast with me i love you so much thank you for like putting up with my crazy notion of just texting you out of blue hey you want to start a podcast (laughs) and like being like yeah let's do it um so thank you so much this season has been so much fun it's been a ride i know you haven't been here for a the last part of it, but you have definitely been here in spirit. Uh, thank you to all the authors that I featured on um, the Writing in Color series. I hope you all pick up their work. I hope you all follow them on Instagram and Twitter and other social media areas and their websites. Um, I hope it inspires you. If nothing else, I hope it inspires you to write. I hope it inspires you to tell your story of what love looks like, because. What I've learned in talking to all these writers is that romance, writing romance, loving, being loved, being passionate, what drives you, what your passions are, don't look the same for everyone. You know, whether it be, you know, a modern Indian girl having a baby out of wedlock and, you know, reuniting with her first love, to, um, a woman in a polyamorous relationship finding love, and you know, someone on a tropical island, you know, being visited by ghosts and jumbies, and you know, them kind of orchestrating her relationship. Whatever it looks like to you, <laughs> that's what romance is. Um, it's just, and I, I want to say it's been an inspiring series. It's been an inspiring season. Um, I wish you all much love and success. Um, I hope that um we can get through this quarantine time together. It's been tough. Um, uh, but I do have one last uh, watching romance recommendation. Um, uh, speaking of being a world traveler and global perspectives and stuff, I watched a movie called Catching Feelings, also on Netflix. Um, out of South Africa, it's about a professor. Um, his journalist wife and their whole relationship kind of gets upended by this hard partying author that they know, which is so funny. Another author, but it's really, really good. I don't want to give anything away, but you all check it out. Um, it's called Catching Feelings on um, Netflix. Again, please follow Savannah Frierson at uh, SJF Books. Um, we're hoping she has a couple books out already. You can find them on anywhere that you get books. Um, and please stay tuned for our next season of Romance and Color. You know, we're going to bring it to you. We're going to bring our holiday recommendations for the movies that are going to be hot this season. Um, we're going to be talking about all kinds of other topical uh, things. We're going to give you our reading and 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 watching Romance Recommendations. But again, thank you to all our listeners. Uh, Thank you for being with us for our first full season. And I cannot wait to come back um, next season and do it all over again. Again, much love and light to my partner, Yakini. And I will see you all later from Yakini. And on behalf of Yakini and myself, thank you. And see you later.